What's up? Welcome to the Check Six Podcast, where we're helping you suck less now so you don't hook later with your host, Nano. And Bender, coming to you from Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. So a common question you have to answer in UPT is, can I even go somewhere? Can I even legally fly to a location? You'll often see this happening on cross countries or out, and, out over, out in snacks with the T1s. And to dig into this question with me today is two fapes from the 48th. We got Gonzo back with us again. What's up? And then we got Nick, who uh, who's our instrument expert from the Team One Squadron as well, right? I wouldn't say that. But yeah, I'm here. <laughs> How's it going, Hello. guys? What's up? And Gonzo, you're actually the SME, the subject matter expert on all things concerning can I go there, the game. I am, as far as, uh, yeah. especially from a legality standpoint. I'm the chief airspace uh, for the 14th Flying Training Wing, so this is kind of my bread and butter as far as uh, the subject goes. Awesome. Start out. Let's kind of... If you're going to get somewhere, step one is really you got to find out if you can even leave from that location in the first place. What regulations the Air Force have and what kind of doctrine do we have in terms of allowing us to even leave a location? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is mainly comes out of the 202 Vol 3, the AFI 11202 Vol 3 AETC sub. Since we're AETC aircraft, we can uh, get a little bit more restrictive with uh, the supplement right. for AETC aircraft. So uh, mainly digging into that tells you everything, you need, whether you need to take off or land. Uh, everything legal. Hey, can I even file to this airfield legally? Mm-hmm. Can I take off out of this airfield legally? All of the above. So, what are kind of some of the factors? I mean, what, I mean the main one's like weather, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of like the more than anything else. Initial, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, initial so departure. Obviously, you need your lowest compatible approach minimums before you can even take off. In case you did have an emergency return, you have to be able to get back in that field. Pray, ATC. There are places out there in the Air Force that let you go lower, but not well, for us. What does that mean? Lowest compatible approach minimums. Uh, so, say you're taking off. At a field within a, a working ILS that day, um, most of those have their minimums pretty low, around 200 feet, maybe a half mile visibility. So you would need at least that, or PWC for your IP, your instructor on board. You're talking about ceiling and vis? Yeah, correct. Ceiling and visibility, sorry, 200 and half miles of visibility. Yeah, yeah, that is Socked true. in fog. Yeah, so that's, that's the lowest you could take off, right? Uh, because you have to, in an emergency, be able to come back and land at that airfield within ATC, per our rules. Um, other big things you would look at for the airfield, obviously, notams, making sure that there's no weird notams that are going to be closing the runway for your departure window, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then obviously your takeoff data to be able to actually depart, make your required climb gradients, all that stuff, have the appropriate distance for your runway. So that's a, its whole own topic for a separate separate podcast. Right. But those are the boxes you would need to check before you go ahead and uh, depart the field. And, and we also have, at least in T6s, we can't take off on a non-towered airfield. Right. right, and so more often than not, this, this will catch some guys. Is the tower will shut down right at a, a at night at a certain time, mm-hmm. and then you are now stuck at that location, which Correct. has happened to people that I, right. that I know. A little embarrassing. Yeah, can be a little embarrassing. You get stuck somewhere because you know you didn't read the afro up. but um, really that's kind of it, right? I mean, it's kind of just weather yeah, and then making know. sure that the tower is even open. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yeah. cool. So we can generally take off from location. I mean, you, you said two hundred feet. For an ILS, well, that has to be pretty, pretty low for you to, to not even be able to take off. Yeah. And then also told, probably yeah. another consideration, take off, right? Takeoff data, yeah, is a big one for, for T1 side. Um, can't speak to the 38s too much. Obviously, T6, you only have one engine. Um, in the T1, we have to do all of our takeoff planning, one engine and operative. So right. we don't climb too well in the summer with only one engine. So that can become a factor at a lot of places. For have you guys gotten stuck before? Has, has that ever happened? Uh, We've had to wait. I've, uh, I've had it before where we, it's way too hot than what we planned it to be. Uh-huh. So we didn't get the, the data enough to 
be able to make the climb gradient that was required of us out of an airfield. So we had to wait uh, a little bit. Then the 202 Vol 3 goes into all this uh, different scenarios. Hey, if you can't make the climb gradient, here's some options that you can do. Mm -hmm. So we waited for it to get a little bit cooler. Once the temperature went down, we had our, our data was valid and we took off, no problem. Only time I've ever been stuck was, uh, I guess as far as weather goes, was winds went out of limits on me uh, out at Little Rock Air Force Base trying to take off for an back. Oh, okay. So we've determined that we can take off from location, and let's yeah. let's just kind of let's say we pick a location. Um, what was the one you want to use? Austin, Texas. Uh, sure, let's do Austin Berkshire, Texas. So AUS or their identifier. Uh, so kind of my wheelhouse is figuring out: Am I legally allowed to file to an airfield, regardless of day, regardless of weather? Correct. Okay. So let's say let's take weather out. Completely, sky is clear. There's nothing weird with the airfield. They're going to be open by the time you get there. So let's say a student about to go cross country. He says, "I have family in Texas. I want to go fly to Austin." Okay, let's do that. So the very first thing I'm going to look at is uh, the IFR supplement. So it comes in every everybody's pub's kit. It's one of the required documents you need to have with you. It's a big, thick one. Correct. Yeah, it's probably the thickest book you got in there. There it is. All of this is governed again by the 202 Vol 3 ATC sub. So it specifically states, in order to file to an airfield, it has to be coded as a P field, a civil P field is called. So it's a, in the IFR sub, it'll say the airfield, and then right next to it, it'll have the letter P, which means that it has an agreement with the DOD that allows us to go to this airfield and uh, shoot approaches, touchdown, do whatever we'd like. And I guess who made that agreement? Not the person, but is that, like, what level is that? Is that at AETC? Greatest question of all time. I'm not sure. Or is that, like, an Air Force kind of thing? Probably an Air Force. Okay. Or probably a D, it's a DOD-wide. okay. For something to be a FAA, to a P code of field, I mean, that's a FAA style. We're talking big picture U.S. Right. Way out of my pay grade <laughs> to know about that. But So Gonza didn't work these handshake deals. Sure did. Correct. Correct. Exactly. But if I did. You're welcome. You're welcome. You get, you get yeah. Austin. <laughs> you get You're Austin. Austin. Uh, so okay, uh, coming back. So yeah, again, right next to it, it'll show the letter P. It means there's an agreement between the, the airfield and the DOD that we can go there, we can file there. Us as ATC aircraft, it specifically states. Okay, so is this like the Damy well, CW thing that you're talking about? Not just yet. Let's let's work let's work outwards. So okay. P field. All right. So we look at Austin Bergstrom, right? Yeah. It's a P field. All right. Good deal. So two two ball three says I can file there. I can shoot instrument approaches there. I can do tower patterns there. Whatever I want. VFR patterns. Everything to a low approach only, because we don't have a certain agreement as an AETC aircraft. This is all AETC aircraft, not just a random, random C-17. So this is kind of like the big umbrella, Greg. Correct. It just allows us to even file to location. In the Correct. Place. So okay. it's a P field. Awesome. You can shoot instrument approaches there. Everything to, on a non-interference basis. So that means the tower or yeah, approach can kick you out whenever they want. Uh, and then everything to a low approach only. We don't we don't pay them enough money to be able to touch down on the runway. As a ATC aircraft. Gotcha. So if, say, their their approach controller gets too overloaded, they can say, hey, you guys are, you know. Because you're there really only for training. Correct. Yeah. Right. We're not going to buy any gas because we can't touch down. We're not really any help to their airfield. We're only taking up their space. Gotcha. Correct. All right. So then moving on a little bit deeper. Let's say I wanted to touch down on this runway. I wanted to go to Austin. Touchdown uh, alpha of an instrument approach. Do a touch and go. It states certain criteria that we need to be during aircraft. So I use like like to use the acronym DAMI CW. So D A M I E C W. First one stands for DOD tenant. Uh, it's kind of synonymous with joint use airfield. So a DOD tenant or a joint use airfield. This will all be annotated in the IFR sub. So right next to P field, if it's a DOD tenant, it means there's some kind of uh, military presence on this airfield, whether it's Air National Guard or Army National Guard, uh, Coast Guard, anything of the sort. Well, using our example in Austin, it's. It's a Black Hawk squadron. Correct. So it's an yeah. Army National Guard. Yeah. And it's, it says that in the IFR sub. In parentheses, ARNG, Army National Guard. 
So since there's a DOD presence on that airfield, I'm automatically clear to touch down on the runway. I can shoot instrument approaches. I can do whatever I, I'd like. Do touch and goes, low approaches, missed approaches, whatever I'd like. Since the DOD is already there, already takes care of the payment for me. Uh, and again, like I, like I mentioned, synonymous with joint use field. So joint use means it's military base that shares the runway with a civilian field. So think of a DOD tenant as a civilian field with a DOD tenant, and a joint use field is a military field with a civilian tenant. So what would be an example of that? Is that uh, Charleston? Charleston Air Force Base, correct. Okay. Out in uh, South Carolina. So uh, main, it's a main, main, main function is to be a military base, but it shares the runway with civilians. Uh, like an airport terminal. Gotcha. I'm just pulling up the IFR sub. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, it'll say that it'll say that it's a joint use field in the IFR sub by uh, right ne right next to the letter P. It'll say Mill Civ. That's how you know it's a joint use field. And again, automatically clear to touch down on that runway. Do whatever you'd like. So then uh, moving on after the D and the J uh, A. So that's alternate. So you can touch down on this runway only if there's no other alternate uh, suitable alternates around there. It'll say the weather's really bad there. And you want to you use this other field that has good enough weather to be an alternate, but uh, so it's not quite an emergency situation. But it's you're like kind of in a bad. Yeah, yeah you'd probably have backed yourself into a corner at that point. I would say that's bad mission planning if you're using you know if you're if that you're going that far that down the ladder as your yeah. justification. That's cool. probably bad planning. But if you do find yourself in that situation, obviously it's better to use this to your advantage than it is to bingo out of gas and, and punch make a bad decision for you guys. Correct. Sorry about yeah. it. Or yeah. land somewhere <laughs> or land somewhere <laughs> without weather. Right. Exactly. Uh, next up would be MATCHCOM approved. So AETC keeps track of a bunch of airfields that um, ATC has agreements with this airfield, the airfield manager, as well as the FBO. So uh, M would just stand for MATCHCOM approved. ATC has what's called a volume training list. So just a document that says, hey, we have agreements, LOAs, they're called letters of agreement with these air, these certain airfields. It's a P field, there's no DOD tenant, or and it's not a joint use field, but we do want to touch down on this runway and use it for volume training, it's called. So we'll go out to these airfields. Do College Station. College Station. In Texas. There. Exactly. Would that be like Tupelo for us as well? Tupelo for you guys. Okay. Yeah, correct. So we went out to the airfield, say, hey, we want to do volume training here. We send it up to AETC. We get a handshake with the airfield manager. Send it straight up. They'll pop it onto the VTL, we call it, volume training list. Gotcha. And then clear to touch down on the runway, clear to full stop, do whatever you'd like. And so just kind of before, just to circle back real quick, as we're going through this, this progression, you see the P-coded field, right, mm -hmm. in the IFR sub. If you don't see the MILSIVE, or the uh, the Air National Guard tenant or whatever. This is kind of the next thing you're looking Correct. for. Correct. That's that the line next step. Gotcha. Yep. You go get a copy of the letter of agreement for ninth, for the for AATC, mm -hmm. and then you see if that field is on that list. Which we keep in our shop. Uh, we my shop maintains it. Okay. Uh, and you all, you can also find it on the one stops on Tim's whenever a student if a student needs to look at it. So do you guys have the same VTL as we do? Correct. And that's, that's applies to everyone in ATC. So ATC. When you actually look at it, you can see like, oh, okay, Pensacola actually owns this agreement. Randolph actually owns this agreement. Gotcha. Laughlin actually owns this agreement. But we're all as ATC aircraft authorized to use the same the same fields. So like we could go cross country to, I don't know why we would, but Del Rio, Oklahoma City, right? Or OKC or, or, okay, yeah. or something, and then we can yep. shoot approaches. Vance Air Force Base actually owns uh, Oklahoma City's LOA. Gotcha. So what's next? Uh, next would be the I, so interceptor aircraft. So either you're an interceptor aircraft or you're being intercepted, which would be a bad day. But that doesn't apply to us. Uh, the next would be E, so if you're an emergency. So let's say uh, I'm going to, let's, let's call Roanoke, ROA, for their identifier. Um, it's a P field, so that means I can file their execution instrument approaches on a non-interference basis. Low approaches only, right? It's not, a, it's not a DD tenant, and it's not on the VTL. Right. So legally can't touch down there. 
but I do want to shoot an approach into there. That's fine. So let's say I'm on final, shooting a localizer, if you will, mm. and uh, I hit a bird. It goes down one of my engines, and now I'm single engine. I'm an emergency. I'm cleared to touch down on that runway. I can full stop if I needed to. Just for life and limb kind of thing. Correct. So that's the E part with that kind of self-explanatory. Gotcha. If you're an emergency, automatically cleared to touch. You can do whatever you need to get on the ground safely. Let's kind of get into the you can break any FA rules. It's like safety of flight, life or limb, all that kind of stuff. Correct. You just have to usually justify afterwards why you did something Yeah. generally. Right. And then at least in this case, you know, you are at least legal to go to that P-coded field. You know, you have you still have questions asked maybe as to why you were doing low approaches to that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's perfectly legal. So obviously you don't go out expecting to have an emergency that day. Correct. Cool. Yeah. And then I think the last two are C, CW? CW, yeah. C stands for C-coded aircraft. So C-17, C-130, or KC-135, anything with C in the name also of the Also includes aircraft. helicopters, right? Uh, I believe it does. Does it? I'm not sure. Someone yeah. fact check us. I have to look that up. Yeah, there we go. I'm pretty Most sure. Likely. Okay. And not so, applicable. So can C-17s applicable. land at any location they, at any point in time? They can file to a P field, a any P field, and they're automatically C-coded, so they can touch down, they can shoot instrument approaches, they can do whatever they'd like. Barring their own guy, local. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, why is that? Because they're C-coded, uh, like, let's say, an AETC C-17. So out at Altus, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where the schoolhouse is. That's a C-17, but it belongs to AETC. So since they're C-coded, they can file to any P field. Uh, according to the do, 202 Vol 3 AETC sub, they can touch down on the runway since they are C-coded. So let's say you have uh, an operational C-17 like Charleston C-17. They're not AETC. They're AMC, Air Mobility Command. So... Their regs might be a little bit different than ours, whether they can go to any airfield whatsoever. And then W's last train? W. So let's say I wanted to go to Embry-Riddle or something. You, uh, Nick, you went to Yeah, Beach. so we actually had some some business done with Embry-Riddle that we were doing for our own personal research over in our squadron. Um, so we decided we wanted to go meet with, you know, one of the top um, aeronautical universities in the country, see what they were doing, get some uh, bounce training techniques off of each other, see the technology they were implementing um, on a daily basis. So we set up a visit down with them. That was all easy enough. So now the question is, how can we actually get there um, on a T1, right? Um, so we actually did the full process, worked with Gonzo's shop through airspace, and basically came up with the wing commander approval, right, to go to this airfield because... It was a P-coded field, but it didn't check any of those other boxes on the DAME CW acronym up until this point. So we got all the way through everything, right? And it's looking pretty doom and gloom. Like, well, we're out of options. The only thing left, you know, last kind of last resort is, well, we need wing commander approval. So does our mission justify this? We think so. Our squadron commander thinks so. And now there's a whole separate list of things to go through and check to make sure that airfield's actually going to be suitable. And I'll let Gonzo kind of bounce back on that Correct. a little bit. Not not that it's well, super important for this conversation. I mean, you got to have, like, a, what, a suitable runway, I imagine. Yeah, suitable runway, uh, security, security yeah. fire capability. Fire crash rescue kind of stuff. Is that just internet-based information? Or, like, do you have yeah. to send, like, a site visit down? or We could, but before we even do the site visit, mostly phone calls. yeah, I'll just call up the airfield manager. Hey, we, we're interested in doing this. Would you be willing to let us do this? And then, like, yeah, sure, why not? And then we'll just kind of ask them the questions. Hey, does ATC have a problem with us doing multiple approaches, or do you guys have crash fire rescue on the on there? Is on there the surveillance? Yeah, yeah twenty four hour surveillance in case we break down there. Someone you know. isn't jack a T one. Right. Or if, it, if, if I'm a T thirty eight, I'm going down there. Hey, do you guys have a start cart, an air start cart, so yeah. I can be able to crank engines and get out of your airfield as opposed to just landing there one to a full stop kind of thing? Or T sixes. Let's say your battery's weak. Yep. Yeah, ground yeah. power unit. Yeah, ground power unit. Are you guys going to charge any fees associated, like landing fees, overnight fees? Austin used to do that as well. Correct. It was like you had to have purchased a minimum amount of fuel 
and then they would waive the ramp fee. Right. But if, if you didn't purchase that fuel, then they would charge you like what fifty bucks a day yeah, or something like that. Something ridiculous. Something crazy. Yeah, yeah. but that's uh, that's the where the W takes point. So if it's not a DOD tenant, so for ATC aircraft, the main ones that to look at a DOD tenant or joint use field or Magical approved. Those are the only ones yep. that pretty much apply to us. If it's neither of those, you need wing commander approval in order to land there. And as a student who's just trying to go cross country, that's probably not the avenue you're going to go. Correct. You know what I mean? That's that more like point. official business type stuff. So let's, let's kind of build a cross-country scenario that we were talking about before. You're going to Austin. Okay. You've kind of done the mission planning ahead of time. This is kind of the week prior mission planning. It's to see if you're even legal there. Just kind of sum this up. First thing is they are a P-coded field. Correct. And then it gets really into, you go through your uh, DAMI CW acronym, and it's really the first one right off the bat, which is the, the DOD tenant. Correct. Which and so have. at that point, Good to go. Good to go. I can full stop there. I can do touch and goes. I can do whatever I'd like. Okay. So, so that, let's say now that you, what you mentioned was just touch and goes or full stop. The next step to think about beyond that is if you want to stay the night in Austin, which most people generally do. Correct. What kind of goes into staying the night there? So in order to stay there, I'd talk to their FBO, call them, hey, do you guys have ramp space, first of all? Yeah. Am I going to be able to park my aircraft there without you know gumming up the works as far as what other traffic you have going on there? Because they get civilian traffic all the time. Well, especially like a huge airfield like Austin that's really popular with people flying in their, Correct. their jets all the time. Yeah, so. Exactly. In Texas. Do they have, Texas. Yeah. Obviously, can you shoot the actual approaches there? Is it an important thing to look at? Like, is your aircraft capable? And do they have good training, right? Because all of our missions are pretty much training missions. So mm-hmm. it's going to be good for you guys to actually Correct. go there. And uh, especially if you're going all the way to Austin, it's all the way over there in Texas. So you're probably going to be out of gas by the time you get there. So another thing I want to look at, how, how am I going to get gas there? So some things we look at is the fuel contract. Do they have a DLA energy fuel contract? Which means the DOD has already purchased the gas ahead of time, and it's already contracted out to us, to military aircraft. So if I land there, I'll be able to fuel up no problem. They'll take the credit card that we have in our jets, and uh, we'll be able to pay for that no problem. And if they don't have a contract, then I kind of start looking at other options. Like, all right, well, how am I going to justify spending a little bit more in gas to my leadership kind of thing? So um, good news is Austin does have a fuel contract. And then uh, I was kind of getting to what we mentioned before is they might have ramp fees as well. Correct. So that's you might need to have to justify paying that extra money mm-hmm. for just some random ramp fees. And on that volume training list that we talked to earlier, there's there's information, right? Like ramp fees, yes or no. There are certain notes about all these airfields, right? Correct. In yeah. addition to who owns the contract, but there's also stuff like is it approved for an RON? Mm-hmm. Like there are also maybe a few on that list that don't say RON yep. is approved. So we already do most of the homework on the FBOs as far as an AETC wide thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked when we renew the LOAs that we have with these airfields and the FBOs, we'll talk to them, hey, do you guys charge anything? Has anything changed? Do you have anything new? Uh, anything you need me to pass through AETC to tell people, hey, you can't full stop here anymore or you can't RON? No fuel contract, anything of the sort, anything, any changes that goes on with that airfield. Just so a student that's just starting a T6 is about, or T1s going cross country, they already have the homework done for them. So fuel is uh, one of the big things. Another thing would be tower hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, by the, if let's say I have to do night requirements, is it going to be open for me to land there full stop by the time I need to after I do all my night requirements? Because that could uh, preclude you from getting to the airfield. Uh, same thing with notums. Uh, does the tower hours change in the notums? Uh, is the runway going to close while I'm there or before I even get there? So just some other things to kind of look at if you're going to RON. Right, and like in the IFR stuff, they have the plus plus for... Daylight savings time. Make sure you do homework on that. Right, we've had pilots get bit in the ass by that before because they just didn't account for the daylight savings time shift, right. the plus plus in the IFR right. stuff. And they actually got stuck at a location. Next thing you know, tower's closed at 6 p.m. local time instead, instead of 7, 7 p.m. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of brings us into the next point, right? So 
obviously once we've decided that all these things that we've talked about are a go, right? Like we're ready to launch out. Um, you also have to make a plan to get out of that airfield the next day. So circling back to the stuff we talked about at the very beginning, as far as being able to take off again, those things are still obviously important in your mission planning. So you don't want to plan to a field where the next morning the weather's not going to allow you to take off. Are we talking about like after, you, in our situation, you get to Austin, you remain overnight, yeah. and then the next yeah, day... Yeah, because that could be a showstopper too. You have to actually be able to depart. So maybe there's no problem getting into Austin for takeoff and landing purposes, like you're told stuff, but maybe there's an IFR climb gradient that you can't make in your airplane, and you have no plan. So those are things that are kind of the next level. Or there's level. a massive front rolling Or there's in. a big massive front. The weather's going to be too low until, you know, 9 o'clock the next night. Um, big thunderstorm, any of that stuff. So that's where you really want to do your homework on the entire outlook of the weekend before you start pressing out on, well, we're legal. It's good. We did our homework on the uh, P field and the Damien CW acronym. Let's, let's push it up. Like, these are the next kind of things you want to check. Awesome. And then let's say it's the day of your cross country and you're going to Austin, and now you're kind of diving more into current weather, notums, told, atmosphere conditions, that kind of stuff. So, Gonzo, you want to dig into that? Sure. So, um, kind of what you talked about with the takeoff weather. Can I take off this air, out of this airfield? Yes. Okay, awesome. But what's my weather look like either en route as well as mm-hmm. uh, over there at the my final location of Austin? So... Uh, Per our regs, the 202 Vol 3 specifically, it gives us a certain amount of weather that we need in order to file to a place without... The acronym we use is Anagram RW. Anagram RW. Rings a bell. Oh, no, this is is WW Rad Rum. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. that that sounds better. Nice. So, yeah, obviously your weather has to be within (laughs) limits, right? Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at your weather plus or minus an hour, right? So your estimated time of arrival plus or minus an hour. So right. that's that's a lot of things that'll get people to is they'll be like, oh, I'm getting there at noon, so noon to one's good. But you have to account for what's going on from 11 all the way to one, um, just because those obviously those forecasts can't be that accurate down to the minute. And you um, might not shack your and you expected time to get there. Exactly, exactly. right. Um, Sorry to take that. No, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, yourselves. Like, yeah. So winds obviously have to have winds within limits, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to need an alternate that type of stuff. You can't file. You can file somewhere, but your winds might be on. Are we are we jumping too far down the rabbit hole on? We're just trying to say, can I go there, right? Yeah. Yeah, because all these things you could go there, but you need an alternate, I guess, is what we're going Correct, yeah. So let's say weather's okay, you can go there. You have lowest compatible approach. Okay, there you go. That's the thing I'm going to do. You're able to shoot the ILS safely till landing, once we'll stop landing. But you'll need an alternate. Right. So winds. You mentioned weather. And where can you find wind information? So that's going to be like your specifics for us, 2T1 Vol 3, right? So you're going to have your 2T6 Vol 3, your 238 all three, all that stuff's going to have your actual ops limit, well, and also your dash one. So you're going to have your actual mm. ops limit there for that. Um, and then weather, right? Mm-hmm. So ETA, plus or minus an hour. If the weather's going to go below 2003 during mm-hmm. this, you're going to need an alternate. And that's 2000 ceiling and three mile biz, to clarify. Very good. And then if you have two independent compatible precision approaches, can't you drop it down to used to be able to so they uh, recently changed that in the 202 vol 3 the rewrite there uh, that's a, right a couple of years ago yeah that's right um, <laughs> a couple of years ago <laughs> i'm on it yeah maybe they, a year ago yeah maybe a year ago. they got rid of that so uh now it's just 2003 needs to be the weather in order to go there without an alternate um i guess the question is why is that bad why is get, carrying an alternate bad well it depends on your what you're trying to get done so let's say i have enough gas to get to my location and land with my minimum gas that i need to have in the aircraft right. If you need to carry an alternate, that could be bad because you, so let's say you have low weather, you shoot the approach, you go missed, 
because you didn't break out of the clouds in order to make a safe landing. So now you, you're you forced to go to another airfield, but you don't have the gas to do that. Mm. That's where it can kind of, you can run into problems there. So let's say you're getting training en route. You're dropping into an airfield, shoot a couple instrument approaches. You have the gas to do all that and land at your airfield. Now that you're carrying an alternate, you need the gas to shoot an instrument approach as well as go missed and get to your airfield and land with your minimum gas. So that means it's going to cut into your training as far as gas, and this is where all your joker fuels and your bingo fuels start uh, running in, running into play here. Especially in certain airframes on this base. Correct. More so than others. And then we, we kind of didn't mention this yet, but in terms of the weather, but the tempo lines as well. Correct. So right. uh, every weather forecast will have a temporary line. So Not everyone, but uh, sometimes they'll say uh, a front's coming through. They'll have a prevailing weather like, hey, it's going to be an overcast layer at 2,500 feet. And that's your from line. Correct. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a becoming line or a from line. Okay. So that's just a prevailing weather. Hey, you're gonna have a bro, an overcast layer 2,500 feet, but there could be a storm passing through with it, and it could cause a temporary line. So a tempo line uh, from in that window that you're gonna land there. So let's say it's gonna have rain, like rain and mist, which drops. It could drop your vis down, your visibility and your ceiling down to 301. Call it right. Just from that. So the prevailing weather is still above whatever you need in order to and, uh, not need an alternate but the temple line affects that and will drive an alternate because we said 2003 is yeah. the minimum weather we need in order to not have an alternate yeah uh, other things that you need that could drive an alternate right so like if the airfield you're going to doesn't have the capability to report the weather that's mm -hmm. that next w that you're talking about mm -hmm. uh nano um so where it's winds weather and weather reporting capabilities right www yeah, no, the R would be uh, radar required for all compatible approaches for your aircraft. So if uh, you look down at your approach plate and it says radar required, you flip the page, next one says radar required, and you keep going for all the approaches that you have the capability to shoot, radar required for all of them, you're going to need an alternate. Because if that airfield's radar system goes down, mm -hmm. you don't have the capability to shoot the approaches by yourself without the radar. Right. And then RUM, RVSM, RVSM airspace, right? Correct. Which, are you guys RVSM equipped? Uh, we're RVSM capable, but we're not legal to fly into RVSM. So in T1 world, we can fly RVSM when we get permission. We can't file it or expect it or plan for it. Mm -hmm. So RVSM uh, airspace starts from 290, flight level 290, all the way up to, I believe it was 410. Yes. All the way up to flight level 410. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's say that yeah, for so now. That's RVSM airspace. And it's it's reduced vertical separation minim, minimums? Your guess is as good as mine. So you is unmonitored navades as well. So if the airfield has any unmonitored navades, which you'll find in the notums, correct, correct, well, then that that, that would disqualify as a primary navade failure. required for the approach. Is correct. So let's say you go to an airfield and the only approach available is a VOR, a VOR approach, and in the notums in that morning you say, oh, the VOR is unmonitored for the window that you're going to be there. Mm. You're gonna need an alternate because you're that you might not be able to shoot that approach legally or safely because it's unmonitored. Right, and then the last, not to be confused with like unserviceable or yeah, so that's another being one. able to decode your notes is is important too. Uh, unserviceable is probably that means it's not gonna work that day. Exactly, and, and then, then there's out of service, which means it definitely isn't gonna work that day. Correct, and uh, yeah, unmonitored just means they're not monitoring that navy that day. And then the M. So that's the, uh, the the G at the end. It's the GPS, right? This is rug, right? So drives an alternate rug. So GPS approach is required for all yeah. approaches. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, not so if every single approach is an RNAV approach, 
then you have to file the alternate. Or just like we talked about with radar required, again, you look down on your ILS plate and it says um, radar or GPS required. You know what I mean? And so some of them just say GPS required. Um, you look down, you see that for all the approaches that you're capable of shooting, boom, alternate required. Perfect. Cool. And then this kind of getting into another podcast we're going to issue, which is alternates. But if any of those things don't qualify, your winds are out of limits, plus or minus an hour. Your weather's out of limits, plus or minus an hour. Our VSM airspace is required or sorry, um, if required to get to that point, then you would have to file an alternate Correct. at any point in time. So if, if anything, you guys use uh, WW Rad Rug or Rad Rum or whatever, whatever acronym you use, if it doesn't qualify at the primary field, an alternate is then required. That's right. And that's to be built into your, your field plans. Yep. Correct. You got it. And again, this is all out of the uh, 202 Vault 3 ATC stuff. It outlines it all there. So you don't, if you don't understand the acronyms, you want to come up with your own acronym, just yeah, break out the, the... You'll hear multiple... Yeah. yeah. So, in summary, P-coded fields, kind of the big umbrella at the 202 Vault 3, and then the uh, Damie CW, which is first P-code, can I even go there and shoot approaches? Damie CW, can I touch down? And then RON stuff as well, can I remain the night? Correct. And then day of, mission plan you probably need to do is for the weather, using WW Rad Rug or whatever. Sure. Weather, notams, yep. birds, told. Make sure you get in there as well as out of there. Yeah. I have one more question. This probably going to take us down a whole other rabbit hole. What's up? Can I go to a military field? Yes. Oh. Since you are a military aircraft okay. and you want to go to, let's say, so Shaw Air Force Base, okay. it's a straight-up military airfield, and in the IFR sub, it'll say it'll say AF for Air Force, or if it's a naval base like Oceana over in uh, Virginia. Yeah, Pensacola. Yeah, Pensacola. It'll say N or A for Army or N for Navy, whatever, you, whatever what have you. But since you are a military aircraft, you can legally file to that airfield, touchdown, full stop, shoot approaches, do whatever you'd like. But let's say you want a full stop there. You need what's called a PPR, so prior permission required, in order to full stop there. Mm -hmm. And you can find the number to call for that in the IFR sub. It's not a big deal at all. It's usually their base ops, right? Correct. You'll just call them up. Hey, I want to. I'm gonna file there. We're gonna get gas. Uh, we're gonna land between this time and this time, and then they'll give you a PPR number, and you'll put that in your filing. Uh, your DD-175 is what military uses to file to uh, put in flight plans. Yeah, like we went down to Eglin on cross country, and we had to get PPR, and I think it was. It was something like you had to get it 48 hours prior or right. something like that. So you actually right. have to call a couple days prior it'll, to get your PPR number. It'll specify in the IFR sub how far in advance you need to. Then mm. they're going to actually build you a land window of when you have to arrive, usually. Yes. About yeah. an hour window, usually. So, like, we had to push back our window because we were late or whatever. Yep. You should just call them up and be like, hey, you got to push back our window for this PPR number by an hour or two. Correct. And they'll say you're in the air and uh, either weather or tr uh, other training or something precludes you from getting there in your PPR window. Uh, they'll actually have a phone number or even a uh, frequency in the IFR sub for their command post. You just call them, hey, this is uh, Scream Niner. We're, you know, our PPR number is this. We're going to be maybe a couple minutes late or maybe an hour late. We need to re-coordinate for a new PPR. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be like, ah, not a problem at all. Just let us know when you get on the ground. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. Good well, guys, so it's, uh, it's a pretty heady topic, as you guys can see, pretty uh, dense topic. But hopefully that clarifies some of the stuff you had any questions about. Can I even go to a location in the first place? In later podcasts, we're going to dig into mission planning, like deeper mission planning for all mission sets and also what happens if an alternate is required and what the, how to actually fly that kind of situation. But if we got anything wrong or uh, you guys have any recommendations for the podcast, hit us up at blazesparksell at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook and let us know. Throw some spears. All right, anything else? Good. No. Use your faves. Cool. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.